Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run of the mill. Tech talk, OGs, we're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question, who the realest be? Unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your This episode is brought to you by ClearSky. ClearSky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky, optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. All right, and what are we talking about today, Corey? All right, Duke, today we're going to talk about the evolution of the architect. Yeah, actually kind of neat that we're almost at episode 100 and we're going to talk about this. And our first episode was, what is a ServiceNow architect? So almost perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like things all are like times a flat circle, right? Everything comes back around. And we're now, we're back here talking about ServiceNow architecture and being a ServiceNow architect. And I mean, I think a lot has changed since that first episode. Dude. Tons, yeah. Like, I mean, the ecosystem isn't the same at all. There's things out there like generative AI, right? And we're not going to touch a whole lot on that in this episode. I don't think when you never know with us, right? Like organically things pop yeah. up. <laughs> I mean, we probably could, but I think, okay, with the gen AI thing, I think there's a lot of, I don't want to say hype, right? Because okay. I haven't seen it enough to, to, to like gauge its power, but I think there's so much general hype about AI in like the whole tech industry that I think people are thinking that AI is going to take more and more and more of the architect's work, like get the AI to do it, right? Get the AI to do what though? Yeah. Well, get the AI to do what, but also what is available for us to do that we aren't doing right now because we're doing things that the AI might be capable of doing. When I think about technology over time, right, there's mm -hmm. all, more work always gets created by more technology, right? And, and throughout the history of mankind, right, whenever a new technological advancement happens, right, like people always think that's it. That's the end of work for humankind, right? Never the case. What ends up happening is that there's more work created what, by what that technology enabled, right? I mean, you think about when people went from the horse to the car, there's an entire... I mean, just so much work got created by just having the ability to drive places instead of riding a horseback. So I, I look at Gen, a Gen AI as kind of like the same thing. Now that Gen AI is there and we'll be able to do certain things that we don't really know, like to what extent is ever going to evolve. But now that Gen AI can write my code comments, for example, right, like I can focus a little bit more on some other things that don't take as much time as writing code comments. I definitely get the code commenting. Man, we just had that whole Gen AI episode, right? <laughs> I don't want to get to like do the whole episode over again. You know what yeah, I mean? No, but no, no yeah, absolutely. To, 
to me, it's just, I feel like there's a, at least on the developer side, there's this whole thing about, I mean, it's, I know it's not everywhere, but there's certainly a few people that, that t- tend to think, ah, oh, well, like Jen, I could just do the dev for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's that's... just like, no, no, it's not going to happen. Or at least not in the foreseeable future anyway. Yeah, right. Like I'm, I'm not expecting that to happen anytime soon. I think we're a long way from that, to be quite honest. I do think though, Gen AI can be a great teacher, right? Yeah. And, and I think if you look at it from that perspective, you can get a whole lot of value out of it. Okay, so maybe bringing it back to the architecture thing, I think architectures have way more to worry about. And in the case of Gen AI, it's not like, do we use it? Do we not use it? But in what context does it work well? And what do we have to be aware of? Like, it's not something you just turn on and get value. Right. No, fair enough. Because also, you know, Gen AI likes to hallucinate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right. And Gen AI is not necessarily trained up best practices, right? Like I've seen some VAR GR pop up, Mm -hmm. right? Like in some GR and some AI generated code, right? So there's a little bit more there that needs to be accounted for. Right. And when you start thinking about it and and start thinking about who gets to do what or how it gets to be done in the instance. Yeah. And plus there's just, oh, John Dahl. Shout out to John Dahl. He was writing this great article on the limitations of it. Oh, cool. And he talked about stuff like you've got to keep it trained. It's literally not push the button and it's trained. Right. You've got to be careful on what you train it on and then maintain it. It's not like learn once and it's always good. There's always like a refinement and a fine tuning and adjustment. So it's not like the architect is the one who's going to have to understand the fundamentals of Gen AI if a company is going to use it and not just have some garbage in, garbage out system. Yeah. I mean, that's the architect's job though, right? The architect's job is to worry about instance. And when new technology comes on that changes the way that the instance works, now it's the architect's job to understand like how that's going to change how things work and to be able to control it, I guess maybe it's the right word, but sometimes I don't feel like that's the right sentiment, but control how it works inside the instance, right? Because at the end of the day, right? You're the gatekeeper. You're the guardian of the instance. The guardian. I mean, absolutely. The guardian. You're the person who's going to be rewarded or punished based off of how this thing ends up working. Even bigger than that, Duke, right? Like you're the person who determines the business value of the ServiceNow instance in that company. You're the person who decides whether or not that investment will make a return. It's huge. I don't know if we always like take a step back and really think about the place that we're in as ServiceNow architects, right? When we own that instance, right? When we're their guardian standing there at the so- with the sword and the shield, you know, making sure that the thing goes right and that we stay on best practice and we, you mm-hmm. know, deliver actual output. People spend a lot of money for ServiceNow, right? Companies do. And, you know, they expect to get value that is more than the value of the money that they put in. And we're the, some of the folks who decide on whether or not that's going to be true. Yeah. It's definitively not as easy as it was. If it ever was easy, right? It's it's yeah. definitively harder than it used to be. <laughs> I mean, just think yeah. like I bill myself as a ServiceNow architect, but I'm like way behind on the Gen AI stuff. I, I hear word of mouth about ways in which it's weak. And so how I have to factor for that just in case it comes up. But on yeah. top of that, I'm just thinking about every new thing they roll out, like RPA. Yeah. I mean, there's people who have already worked for 20 years in the RPA domain. And now it's like, okay, if, if I'm an architect for a, cons- for a customer, I've got to find a way to come up to speed on that too. 
Yeah. There's so much in on the platform now. There's no way you can be, ever be an expert in all of it like we used to back in the good old days, right? right? right. We're, <laughs> we're like, I know the entire platform, soup to nuts, right? Like, you know, you can't anymore. Like, it's just impossible. Yeah. That's why I'm wondering, like, is there, do we stop trying to be the all-knowingest of the people that work for a company and just say, okay, like, we're going to have to leave the actual execution of some of this stuff and all the knowledge of best practices and all that stuff to an SME. ITOM guy, you're the person who's going to tell us if my discovery is set up well or not. Because I could be a, a supremely good ServiceNow architect, but maybe discovery is the one tech I don't really know. Yeah, fair enough. Right? Um, I could definitely have, def- have a bunch of rage people in my DMs. Oh, I can't be an architect <laughs> without discovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, right? And I've got a, uh, I've, I've got pretty good discovery experience. So I won't get those rage DMs, but <laughs> <laughs> you can't learn everything. You can't know everything. I think maybe you know the architect's job. I think maybe as it's evolved over time, is taking a progressively larger step back from the lens that you use to view the instance. Yeah, I agree. At least I think about that a lot. I'm like, I wonder if there's a case to just have the architect be kind of like, how do we ensure that this is good for the platform and scalable and maintainable and upgradable? Right. All the, uh, as Carlene says, all the ables. All right? the ables. So if someone comes in, you're going to deploy some kind of financial services module, right? And right. maybe it's new, maybe it's old. But the key is, I don't know anything about this process. And so I'm going to have to trust that the SME knows what they're talking about. But no matter what they build, it must be testable and upgradable. Right. And rational. So maybe the architect is someone who ensures that there's like the documentation thing, right? Yeah. Make sure that they, they have documentation that I can understand. Number two, make sure that there's ways to test this thing. Number three... Make sure it's got some instant scan stuff built into it. Yes. You know, right. Does it make our security stuff go bonkers? And so maybe taking all the platform tools that have manifested over the past few years and just applying them to solutions that a non-architect or a sub-architect or some kind of domain-specific expert is building. Yeah, you're going to create better processes, right? In which everything else funnels through. And using the tools the ServiceNow has built progressively over the last several years to make that job easier because the platform, while they've been building those tools to make the job easier and and better to maintain, they've also been building and making the platform wider so that you've got more to maintain, right? And so I think as an architect now, you can no longer afford to ignore the tools in the instance if you want to manage it successfully and effectively. Totally agree. And it's odd because I just just don't hear people talk about like instant scan, upgrade center, all that much. We've got a couple folks in in our network and Mm -hmm. it's the same folks, right? One or two, three people who talk about it, but not nearly to the extent that I would expect. And those couple of folks can't carry that entire portion of the instance, right? Like I do think that we need more voices out there who are really evangelism aside. I think you can't really do this job effectively in a large instance unless you're using these tools. How can you know? Yeah. So I, I just really do think that we're doing ourselves a disservice and we're doing the instance a disservice if we're not using some of those things like was it the admin dashboard that we talked about a few episodes ago duke um what is the thing called yeah yeah the admin uh, it's admin dashboard right yeah yeah it's, i think it's called something else i feel like no i mean thing. yeah that's mm. 
We're going to have another episode on that, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) There's some, like, crazy talented people working on that. But it's all it's showing is plugins that I can't upgrade or can't activate or grouping the plugins into, like, value propositions. And and then that's strapped to a task management dashboard for me. And I'm just... If you think about all the administrative dashboards across the platform, security has one telling you yeah. all the different things on your instance that are bad, like yeah. bad, bad. And then you have all like administrative info you want to know. How many admins do I have currently active? And when was the last time they logged in? What update sets are uh, currently in progress on subprod instances? Do I have any changes coming for service now, like just think about all the potential stuff you could see on the admin dashboard. And it's just, I don't know. They don't, they don't like, not, it's not, um, gosh, what am I trying to say, Corey? <laughs> I think, you, I think you're trying to say Duke, that there's more that can be done. Yeah. Right? I'm, not, I'm, not like, I'm not trying to pull anybody down about it. Right. But why invest into things that are already like, we already have dashboards that have my stuff on it, my tasks, my group's tasks. We've got all that. Yeah. But what we don't have is like one singular interface that says, here's the stuff you should be worried about from a security perspective, a performance perspective, a upgrade perspective, instant scan perspective, and just have that in one spot. That sounds like a nice project for somebody to build. <laughs> it, it really does like dovetail with everything we've been talking about right now, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, the ability to manage the instance, that's what the architect's role has evolved to, right? The ability to manage the instance in terms of how you implement ServiceNow essentially. Yeah. Because we're like, I mean, some of us have been blessed to have been at this a long time. And just like me, I learned a teeny tiny bit over a very, very long time. I'm not special. I'm not smart. I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not genius smart, right? Like I'm no Mark Rothoff. I'm not a Corey Wesley. I'm not, (laughs) Um, I'm just some regular old schmo that, that just did a little bit over a long time. If I had to come in now, I would be so out of my league in the architecture sense. Nah, like, man. Like, what, what is this? Like, is this a good idea or not? The only thing I'd have is just another rant about documentation, which we can totally do right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell but, you what you got that we did that, that I think is, is uh, one of your superpowers, right? Is that you outwork everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it looks like that. <laughs> Uh, well, this is what you go with it. Just go anyway, with it. What I'm trying to get at is I would love to have that admin homepage the way I want it because then you could take somebody from any level and it's just like, hey, you're the architect now. Here's a dashboard for you with architectural stuff you might be interested in. They'd be like, but I, but I, but I, oh, well, okay. Well, what about the security stuff? Let's take that on first. Now I even have some like hooks I can use to research. You know what I mean? Right, right. Or Upgrade Center is saying, hey, on your next upgrade, just FYI, you're going to have like 85,000 collisions. What? Yeah. What's the collision? That sounds awful. Well, it is awful. Okay. Maybe we parse it down to 5,000, but then I'm forced to learn right then, right there. What is a collision even? Why so, is it bad? How do I stop I, it from happening in the future? I don't know enough about Gen AI to know how it works in the instance around this. Like, Is Gen AI hanging out like Clippy? You know what I mean? It's like, what is a collision? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you pop over there and it's like, would you like to know about this problem record today? Right. Like, you know, I feel like that's coming. Right. And, and I think yeah. it's going to be great. 
Yeah, we and we said that on the Gen AI episode too, which we're gonna put in the. There's gonna be so many episodes in the description below. <laughs> like, if we'd only get paid a quarter for every episode we listen in the description. Below. I know, right? If only got paid anyway. What else keeps you at night? Up at night, architecture-wise. Data, data keeps me up at night. Ten years ago, ServiceNow bear with me on this, right? Like, so ServiceNow has always been a platform that has done way more than it says on a 10, right? Like it's been- On a 10? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go ahead, sorry. (laughs) Right, but it's built as an ITSM platform, right? And the first thing I did when we got it, when I was a, a customer, is start doing other stuff with it, right? Like the first thing I did was say, yeah, ITSM is great, but I got these business processes over here that this thing will be perfect for, yep. right? So it's always outworked itself. And what that means is that it's, it's been a platform that's accumulated a lot of data. Now, maybe not as much then as it does now, and probably not as much uh, data that matters then as it does now. But now, 10 years later, this thing is a repository of just stuff that you probably don't want to let leak out. And how you avoid that keeps me up at night. Like who has access to it? And this is not just external threat actors, right? Uh I think about like who has the right roles and permissions to access the things that only they should see and not the things that they shouldn't. You know, who has the the ability to actually exfiltrate data from the platform through like, I don't know, exporting through XML or Mm -hmm. or Excel spreadsheets, whatever, right? There's a lot of different aspects to this. When I consider my responsibility to the business and the business's data and how that could compromise, you know, operations. And it's right. And so that's, go ahead. I heard this story the other day about somebody who was doing an external integration that required user sync. Yeah. And somebody just exported the user table and like sent it to their vendor. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not something you want to do. No, no, not at all. Right. Even ServiceNow took a, a different stance on this over time. Right. Like, and so when you look at your, um, your subscription reports, right. It used to have the names in it. Now it's got sys IDs. Oh, right. That's so, cute. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, get a, take a little bit of that PII out of there. We don't want, want to be sending back and forth, uh, you know, the entire list of users that you have in your company, right. especially the, not the entire list of privileged users, because that subscription report is going to show who has admin access. It's things like that, that there's been a shift over time as more and more companies are solely exist inside of computers. Right. And I think it was Mark Andreessen, who's at Software's Eating the World. Right. So any company you have is, a, is now a software company if you're right. doing it right. And so as that shift has happened, we're all tasked with safeguarding all of your company, which now exists digitally. Yeah. It goes so far beyond just simple ACLs, which are hard right. enough, which are hard enough. Then you deal with like encryption yeah. and newsflash. There's more than one flavor of encryption. And like, you've just got to, you've just got to know this stuff or know about its existence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, that, that one. <laughs> I, listen, I don't do enough shouting out to people though, who deserve it. Cause I, I always disliked ACLs cause there's nothing visual about it. Service now evolved from just lists and form based interfaces. And so it was really hard to figure out like, Hey, who can read this table? Like I had to find the record right? right? or records in a yeah. list and which one, but application engine studio, have you taken a look at it's it like it rolls? Uh, on I mean, that? to the extent that 
they exist normally. Oh, it's, uh, where, it's, uh, I know where you're going with this. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you, if you, because Application Engine Studio is another way to look at the composition of an app, right? Yeah. And absolutely. it's slightly dialed down a bit, like it's simplified, but mm -hmm. the, its interface to show you the roles and CRUD rights on all the tables is just, uh, it just, <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's just very organized, very as is. Like if you have a scoped app, it's just, this is what it, and it only, it only breaks down from that if you start doing ACLs against fields, right? But, right. But if you're just doing uh, tables, where's my create, read, update, delete, and what roles have what? It's just a graph of boxes and just checked every box for every role that has that right. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, you're right. All right, so this is one of those things, right? When you're in the system and you're just doing the stuff, right? Like some of this stuff fades into the background. Yeah. Right? Like I've, I was just building an app using AES a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, it does do that. And I, I ne it didn't even ping to me, right? Like that was significantly different than looking at it through the main interface and on, on the platform. But you're right. Like it is easier. It's much more streamlined and much more transparent, which is great. We should always be be looking for ui interfaces that yeah. are much more you know transparent to to, to um, what's actually going on because they're a lot easier to manage it's so good for building data structure that i kind of forgot how we did it old school like i know we went to like tables and columns <laughs> and we like manually created the rows for the fields and such but it's just so easy in aes but then you hit this brick wall because it's like i got the table i got all like i got all my five tables that i want and i've got all my forms and like okay let's go get to it what do you mean go get to it? Oh, no, now it's back to old school to, to manually build out nav menus and modules. <laughs> because yeah. for whatever reason, AES doesn't do that. Well, no, I, it, it did that for me, I think. doesn't It doesn't create the modules for you. You got to do that. Oh, well, that yeah. sucks. So then I, then I pop open Studio, right? There's Studio and Application Engine Studio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I was in studio. Hey, architect like, life, that, right? Uh, which studio do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not confusing at all. Let me let me rant on that one for a minute. <laughs> like, who thought it was? Look, come on, studio and application engine studio. Like, let's come on. Can we do better than that? Like, uh, call, uh, yeah, one, I, call it one of them workshop. I don't care. Well, <laughs> like, I... I like them both for different reasons. I, I I do have to explain it to my coaching cohort quite a bit, like why studio and application engine studio. I'm like, okay, well with application engine studio, they're trying to dial down the skill set needed to build a tiny, simple app. Right. And it just so happens that that simplified interface is great for like 95% of the things that I would do anyway. Absolutely. But studio, when it came out, had an entirely different user in mind. It was just like, I'm building an app. Like, just show me all the freaking pieces of the app. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, make this easy to, to, to link up source control, right? That's like, right. boom, boom, yeah. right? Like, you yeah. know, give me all of the, the various pieces of an app. And I totally agree with you. I, I love it. Then there's that code search, man. Code search. Oh, my God. Code search is amazing. Oh, code search, yes. <laughs> right? Like, and there's a lot of, right? Like, there's a lot of external apps out there that you can use to actually do code search in your um, instance, too. But one one of the tips that I was just taught recently, right, is that you can open <laughs> Studio <laughs> and you can use code search against anything in the instance. It doesn't have to be in that app you're working on. And yeah, I did not know. It's not, fil it's not filtered to the scope. No, 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 no. You can pick different scope. You can pick global. You can pick any of the other scopes, right? And you can just do a search against them. It's great. It's great. 
And if you're looking for something, as I was in a specific case that somebody had written before me and that person was gone, mm -hmm. it really helped me find like where in the system was calling this script in include because right. Duke, there was no documentation. <laughs> Can we? Okay. That's a great segue. Can we talk about documentation? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I think, I think that horse is still moving. It needs another hit with the bat. <laughs> Man, you, like Go I talk about code commenting right all the time with Gen AI. I'd love to see Gen AI evolve into a, like my kick-ass documentation partner. Yeah, when I look at how I develop a document, I, there's a lot of stuff in there where I'm like, why can't the robots do? For example, like uh, I have sections in my documents, like I'll, like of when I'm doing an architectural document for an app I built, I have a section called data structure where I list right. out the tables and the columns and the properties of the columns. And you know what I mean? So I might have yep. table yep. one and it has a reference in it to table two. And so when I describe the reference, I actually like hyperlink within the document to table. Two. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. And that way, like when this thing gets 20 pages long, nobody has to like, scroll. They could just, Oh, this reference is to there. I don't know about there. Let me click and I go there. So your doc is an app. Basically, yeah, and I'm just like, why? Like, surely the thing could just output a Word doc in nicely formatted ways that at least has the table and the columns and uh, the fields and the properties of the fields. And then all somebody might have to do is fill in the intent of those things so right. a human could understand them. And then the one thing that the human must do all the time, I think, is to talk about, like, do an abstract of what the app is there to do. And kind of log the decisions that were made along the way. Because as you all know, the app that somebody wants on day one is rarely the app they want on day 60. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great point, right? And, and that, you know, that we've got a, an entire episode about uh, requirements gathering and, and specifically the one where I was helping you with your uh, coaching cohort, right? And Yeah, yeah. Like, Right. And towards the end of that episode, right, like there's a there's a point in there where we pivot a little bit from basically what you thought you wanted to what I suggested you could probably use that mm -hmm. you thought was a better idea. Yep. I, I do it with my coaching cohort all the time. They have to make their own capstone project. And it's always like the most common thing is here is the entire picture of what this process I picked looked like. It's something they're familiar with. Right. And my current right. coaching cohort. Shout out to Kathy. She works in the mortgage industry and she's doing this whole how to close a, a, a mortgage deal. And it's just like crazy complex. But we make decisions to say, okay, we're going to reduce the scope, reduce the scope, reduce the scope, reduce the scope. So we have something. Now we're getting into like agile and minimal viable product discussions, right? But yeah, lean startup. Yeah, but <laughs> like the AI couldn't possibly look at the composition of your app and infer that you had de-scoped stuff. Right, right. So the, like at the end of the documentation and those hard asses on the team that are like, well, I asked for it this way, you know, and it's like, where were you in all the meetings where we all agreed that <laughs> we were de-scoping that? Right, exactly. So, and and it's important to know, like, you know, because not everyone's going to be in those meetings. Somebody might be out sick. Maybe they weren't invited. You should always only invite the people to the meetings who need to be there, not more, not less, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's be clear on that. Hate meetings with too many people. I hate meetings in general, right? So would like to have <laughs> them as, as, as concise as possible and only as many as are, as are absolutely needed. That said, 
right? Like when we make those decisions, it's important to understand why they were made and who made them and record that so that it can be, it can be reviewed later. One of the things that I, and this is going to be interesting, right? Because at my part-time job is, you know, city council where the, the entirety of the job is doing meetings. But let me tell you what the difference is, right? Like Robert's rules of order. Uh huh. <laughs> like if every corporate meeting was run with Robert's rules, let me tell you how much more effective and efficient it'd be an agenda that needs to go out X amount of days before the meeting starts. And you can only discuss what's on the agenda. Somebody's taking detailed meetings. I mean, minutes. So you can always refer back to, and those minutes can go into your documentation because they're the living, breathing kind of accounting of what happened in the meeting. All of these different things, right? And it's one of the pillars of Western civilization, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Man, <Schrill's> order. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and maybe did this did did you invent those, Robert? To do me? No, no, it was a different <laughs> Robert. Yeah. Hold on a second, I got to build an affiliate link because we're gonna put a link in the description below for that, for that one. <laughs> Oh man. Okay, we're at yeah. uh, 32 minutes. Oh man, how do we get I there? We, I don't know. <laughs> it's good though. I'm not going to do much editing on this one at all. Yeah. Um. So we oh, covered so- what? We covered like data and roles and all the different administrative interfaces. And we talked about documentation. And we talked about how do I make the platform such that I plug in SMEs. Yeah. You know, and, and make sure that I can trust and verify what they put in. Yeah. I feel yeah. like we're missing a ton of stuff. I'll do. I mean, there's a ton we're missing here, but we've gotten this far with it. And mm-hmm. I think this might, there might be a part two of this episode at some point, right? Like, you know, in terms of what's changed. There's one last thing we had on our list that I really do want to cover. We close out. And it's a question that you said, actually, that you've been seeing a lot and you've been getting a lot from folks in the ecosystem is, do I need to know how to code to be in the ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, well, gosh, there's so many jobs in the ecosystem, and we will have links to every episode that we've done on them <laughs> <laughs> in the description below. So some of them, no, like I don't think you need to like learn to code to be a BA, but I would say like everything, admin, implementation, and architect, like absolutely, I don't know how you can't. I don't know how you can't, even for admin, right? What do you think an admin's going to do? Are they going to be first level support for ServiceNow problems? Probably. What if the problem's in a business role? Or what if the problem's in a notification that is running a mail script? Yeah. What if the problem's yeah. in a client script? Like all the config things that we, all the config tools have this JavaScript block in it. Yeah, so, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think- and then especially the higher you go, like up into architecture, forget about it. I'm not saying you have to be like a pro, co- like you have to be like a professional JavaScript developer, but you definitely need to, like, how would you know if somebody gave you shit code or not? Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't, right, if you're not able to code. And I, I think really the best thing that happened to me as I was getting uh, onboarded into the system, right, is that the folks who were uh, training me on how to do it really leaned into you really need to learn how to do JavaScript, right? Like, I I had I was not a programmer when I um, got into the service and ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. I'd done some... Yeah, I'd done a lot of like command line scripting in DOS, right? Like that was, that's where I could work. But, you know, in terms of anything, JavaScript, Python, anything like that, like real coding languages, no. But I learned over time, right? And I was valuable while I was learning. That's the point that I'm actually, that took the long way around to get to, right? But 
I was valuable while I was learning. And I'm not a professional JavaScript developer now, right? Like I'm no. pretty good at yeah. JavaScript in service now. You can be valuable as you're learning how to code in ServiceNow, as you're learning JavaScript, as you're learning GlideScript, right? Like you can be pretty valuable in, in ServiceNow just while learning Java snip, JavaScript snippets, right? Like, you know, how do you find like how many characters are in a and uh, in a subject yeah. line, right? Like, you know, that I mean, learning that. I've been totally stealing that for my coaching cohorts. We're just in the JavaScript part now. And I just, I totally like, I feel like I open my mouth and then you fall out. You're not training <laughs> to be a JavaScript developer. You're not even training to be a junior JavaScript developer. You're training right? to know enough string manipulation, arithmetic, logic, and that's it. Loops and loops, yeah, right? Like right. if you yeah, know, yeah. that's why you know, I put you, that in logic, like conditionals yeah, and loops. No, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But if you know those things, right? Like you can, you, I mean, you're 80% of the way there. You're going to be good. You it's know, just I practice think, from that point on, right? But it is just practice from that point on and, and applying it. And mm -hmm. as you start to apply things, you'll find gaps and then you'll go and Google those gaps, right? And then you won't have those gaps anymore. That's how it works, right? Don't pick up a book, you know, how to learn JavaScript. Hmm. Oh, all right. Yeah. So don't pick up a book on like how to learn JavaScript in like 30 days, right? No. Like pick up the ServiceNow instance, right? And start building something. And then figure out like where your gaps are and then figure out how to plug them. Okay, we're at 37 minutes, so we should probably think about wrapping this up. Hey, listen, if, if you have something insightful to say about how architecture has changed over the last few years, what keeps you up at night as a ServiceNow architect, please put them in the comments wherever you're finding this podcast. And hey, get yo, some good insights and optimize your workflow. That's service now. Right. This ain't and your typical no run of the mill. Tech talk go G's with the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question. Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way, only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh what's success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that? Huh? Service now. Come on. Yeah. I said welcome to the winner's circle. Yeah.